Awesome. Thank you. That was um, that was awesome. Give, thank you, team. That was um, that was great worship. That guy who led worship, he's got something on him. I reckon. Why don't you put your hands together for him? He's he's laid a platform for me to come and preach. That was pretty cool. Um, for anyone who doesn't know me, I'm Caleb, and that was me actually that was leading. Yeah, yeah. Like I knew he looked devilishly handsome. Like, <laughs> well, you thought I was twin. I, I actually growing up. Um, David and everyone can hear this too, not just David. But I, I played basketball. Dad was um, Dad was our coach in I think grade two, and was in the grass basketball team. And we had um, twin girls on the team, and the, we would every week you know you'd go to the same place and have the same refs. And after like months and months of us being in this competition, he saw them both together and he's like, "There's two of them." I'm like, yeah. He's like, "I thought there was only one." All these times I've been. Yeah, not Dad. No, the refs did this. The refs like I've been refing your games for months, and he's like, "Ah." Oh, there's two of them. Like that, <laughs> I didn't realize that. Like, yeah, there's, there's always been two. He, was, he thought there was always one, but there is only one of me. Um, it wasn't me there. Um, I, I'm excited to uh, to preach uh, this morning to continue our tear off the roof series. It's been awesome, hey. This kind of, this uh, little sort of mini series, and God's put a, a focus and an emphasis on our hearts to to tear off the roof. And last week, Caitlin spoke about. Um, our faith and how faith prompts action and that the tearing off the roof is an action response to their faith and then how us as a church, we want to be those ones charging forward in faith, pulling our pastors along with us, not not trying to be them slogging up the hill, pushing us. And so I want to continue on, um, just, just continue on with that message and that concept today uh, at tear, tear Off The Roof, but we're going to do it a little bit differently. Josh, if you want to go to the next one, we're going to tear off the roof a dramatic reenactment this morning. <laughs> How many would like to see me bring a dramatic reenactment of Tear Off the Roof? Um, well, actually, when, when I was in year eight, I, I believe it was, um, I was in the school play. Did anyone, did anyone know that? I was, in, I was in the school play. Where Sandy's here. Sandy, do you remember coming to see me in the school play? Do you remember what part I played? This is 20 years ago. I, I remember that afterwards you told me I was really, really good. I was. I was. She remembers I was good. I, do you remember what I was, Dad? Dad's, what was the play? Dad's like, did you go to school? I don't know. <laughs> Does anyone remember? Anyone in my family remember me? What's that? Yeah, no, that was, that's when Caitlin was in the school play. Collingwood was playing St Kilda the same night. <laughs> Dad had the earpiece in listening to the football. No, I had a starring role in the... Do you remember what it was, Mum? Oh, Caitlin, do you remember being in the school... Me being in the school play? Oh, yeah, being... Mar- yeah, we were Joseph and Mary in the Nativity. When we were young. That's a bit of incest. That's a bit weird. Anyway, <laughs> let's not go there. I, I was in the school play and we did... Um, what, what was the name of the play? Um, it, it's, it's the one about, like, um, Daniel and the... Lo- and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and stuff. Um, I, I, it's cool in the furnace. Yes, all right. It's cool in the furnace. I was in the play, and I was. I was not a lion. No, I was guard number two. Oh, thanks, Sharon. I think it's pretty good too. Do you want me to? Sh- do you want me to show you what I did as guard number two in the play? All right. So King Nebuchadnezzar would stand here. All right. And guard number one would stand there. Matthew Blow was guard number one. So if you're watching Matthew, <laughs> he's up that. All right. And I was guard number two, and I would have a, um, a spear, and I would stand there. Yeah. Come on, yeah. And then at the end, I would bow to the audience. And that, now, but it wasn't just that, because sometimes Nebuchadnezzar would not just stand there. He would walk up and leave the stage. And so I would walk behind him and leave the stage. Do you know how many lunch times I gave up rehearsing this stupid play to stand behind him with a spear in my hand? But uh, it, my best friend who I played footy with, he was one of the lead parts. No, he was Nebuchadnezzar. And so hence I was roped into being the guard. Um, so that was sort of the extent of that. So anyway, long run up to say we're doing a dramatic reenactment of Tear Off the Roof today. Unfortunately, Tear Off the Roof, um, which is obviously based in the story in Mark chapter 2, where the man tears off the roof to get to Jesus, 
Um, there is no guard number one or two in this story. So I can't act because it's, I'm, I'm not going to push outside of my space. I'm not going to try and, I'm not going to try and be something I'm not. Okay. I'm just going to, yeah, yeah, well, no, there's, Anyway, um, there's, no, there's no parts to me. So I thought maybe instead we would utilise some of the other acting talent in this wonderful room of people to do that. So we need someone firstly to play the hero of our story. Um, I was thinking about a few options, but I thought because of the special Sunday it is celebrating Nadir, maybe it would be a good Sunday for him. To, would anyone like Nadir to be the hero? Yes. He's saying that would be wonderful. Yes, come on, Nadir. Nadir, 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 Nadir. See, you're stuck, mate. You can't even leave that country. Oh, no, you can, actually, but still. All right, now, Nadir, do you know what? Yeah, actually, come up on the stage, mate. You're, it, it's a good part for you, I reckon. If I'm being honest, you probably look more like the hero of the story than any of us who are in the room. This guy, well, it's, it's true. I'm just like... He, he wasn't a... I mean, he might have been good look. Anyway, um, I'll, I'll move these. I'm going to move these right out of the way so you can take centre stage there. Now, the hero of the story, um, does anyone know what, what's his situation at the beginning of the story? He's paralysed. So, down you get, champ. <laughs> now, yeah, all right, yeah. That's, that's pretty much your job, is just to lay there and chill out. So he's very happy. For, oh, he's a natural. Give him a hand. You know, yes, he's been so far. I think more than a third of Nadir's life he's been preparing for this. Do you know, one day, this was years ago, we, we were out, true story. So before I was married, living at mum and dad's, we um, were out one afternoon catching up with some of mum's family, get home, walk in. Go through, and there on the couch is a sleeping Nadir. And like, we got, Mum got such a, a fright. You just walk, walk into your home, which you have no idea anyone's there. Walk in, and there's a man sleeping on your couch. Oh my God, it's N- Nadir. What the heck are you doing? He's oh, I came around and I was home, so I let myself in and went to sleep. So th- this, this is right up your alley. Um, now, unfortunately, the Bible doesn't name this man. So I was trying to think of um, what would be an appropriate man for a name, sorry, for a man whose legs don't work. So Josh, would you want me to put up, we have to introduce you to Legolas. No, no, Legolas, they don't work, Legolas. Um, so we've got the next one where you can actually see this is uh, the dear size. Well, all right, welcome Le- Legolas, the hero of our story. Put your hands together for him again. Now, I'm just going to check who I'm introducing next. Now, uh, the, obviously in this story as well, how long we stay here? Oh, an hour or two. Yeah, so, no, not, not too long. Don't worry. We're not doing a real, a real play. Um, okay, now Legolas also has uh, in the story four friends because how many know Legolas can't really move very much? So he has four friends. So we need to pick four friends for Nadir. I didn't know even if some of the super kids might like to be some of Nadir's special friends. Would you like to be one? Come on up. Yeah. What's your name, buddy? Ryan? Come on up, you, you can be one of the, anyone? Ah, oh, Elliot, why don't you be one of Nadir's friends? Sersha, do you want to be one? Yeah. Anybody else who would like to be one of Nadir's special helping friends? Woo! Would you like to be one, Sam? Yeah, good stuff. Ah, oh, put your hands together for the four friends. No, well, you actually got real names, Elliot, in the, in the story. So, uh, who's the first one? Okay, over here. Why don't we introduce you to, name will come up here. This is Juan, because <laughs> it specifies there are four friends. And then we've also got here, uh, we can put them up here, two, three, and four. So, put your hands together for the dear special friends. One, two, three, and four. One, you're like the ringleader, okay? So, you've got to keep these guys in check. Okay, don't make sure they don't go out of line. All right, now we need, need to have a couple of other uh, characters quickly and then we'll, we'll get stuck into this because um, we've got so much acting to do. Oh, I should say also, sorry, these guys, together, the four of them make up the Nadir's squad. So they make up the uh, hashtag squad, but quad in capitals because there's always four of them. Yeah. So the hashtag squad. Um, now we need someone to play Jesus. Who, who do we think feels quite Jesus-like today? David? Me? Oh, should I be Jesus? Oh, Levi, you can have anything you want in the world, buddy. Good boy. Great job, mate. Would you like, would you like me to be Jesus? Yep, okay. 
Well, there you go. Garden number one's been promoted to Jesus. That, was, that wasn't even on the script. That's, um, that's a win. All right, I'll, I'll be Jesus. Um, we need someone to be actually, um, actually, basically what we just need is Caitlin to come up. Um, why don't you put your hands down for Caitlin? Now, Caitlin is going to be one character. You know how sometimes when you do one of these plays or movies, there's like a whole group of people, but you get one person to like represent the group, okay? You are going to represent the group of people who came early, lined up, and got to the front of the line, okay? She has prepared for this. For anyone who didn't hear the message last week, go back and have a listen because Caitlin is naturally, she likes to get there early. She, so now we're going to imagine, I didn't actually, there's a, nice, there's a nice line here. So you're going to go snake the line, make sure everyone's in order. Yeah, make sure everyone does the right thing. Yeah, perfect. Now, we actually we've got a name for her. Again, she's not named in the story, but we're going to call her. You can pop it up here. This is Karen. <laughs> I want to specify Karen has no relation to my mother-in-law, who may or may not be called Karen. Karen. Um, but Karen, representative of in our culture, especially online, the sort of the person who just likes to tell other people how things should be done. Okay, so <laughs> you try and jump the line, you get Karen's, no, uh, uh, no, you try and get in it, no, uh, uh, no, Karen came and lined up early, so Karen's going to get her place. All right, and we need one other person. Um, I thought maybe, maybe my mum would like to do this one. Does everyone think she'd be keen? Oh, I thought so. Come on up, mum. Um, now, you are going to be, this is actually sort of a nice role, you're, you're actually going to be, uh, well, your name in the story is Doreen, because you're the one who owns the house and is going to, you've let Jesus come and all these people come into your home. So I feel like that's, you can play, face everyone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, so yeah, so Doreen's it. So maybe you can just be like, maybe putting together a bit of a stew for everyone and, you know, letting all the, letting all the rude Karens come into your home and all these, um, and, um, I think that's everyone. Are we all? Is that is that everyone? Have I? Wait, let me check my notes. So I missed. No, there's another group here. All right. Now, these are the religious leaders. So I thought maybe we should get our religious leaders. We've got Pastor Peter, Mark, and Cam as the board members. Why don't you guys come on out? You can be the religious leaders, and you can maybe stand over here, just behind Karen. No, yeah, we should, should do a little check every 30 seconds or so. One, two, three, and four, if you hear snoring, you're welcome to give him a little kick. Or, or even if you think he might snore, you can just, or just kick him whenever you like, really. Um, come a little closer, guys, a little closer. Now, your role is, it's a bit more involved than guard one. You, you stand there, but you sort of look a bit like, yeah. Uh, yeah, a bit like, see these three up there? See a little bit snarky. Um, now, it only tells us one of these guys' name in the Bible. It calls him Pharisee. Isn't that a funny name? So I made up the others. We've got Pharisee, uh, we've got Pharismel and Farataste. So you can decide between yourselves who's who. Chris, this has been totally inspired by your grow team, by the way. Um, okay, are we all ready for the story? All right, here we go, the dramatic reenactment. Uh, I'll, I'll be Jesus and the narrator, so... Oh, man, this is a big step up on guard number two, let me tell you. But uh, fortunately, I'm just going to read it out of Mark chapter two. Um, okay, Mark chapter two, here we go. Mark chapter two says, when Jesus that's me, returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back. So soon the house he was staying, so I've got to stay at a house. Doreen, could I stay at your house? Oh, I'm hungry, Doreen. Would you, would you, yeah, could you make something for us? Thank you. <laughs> And soon, the house where he would... Now, I might make, take a little bit of creative license with this, all right? I'm not trying to change God's word. I'm just making it fun, you know? Soon, the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors like Karen, who came and lined up early, kept everyone in line, and there was no more room. All right, but Doreen's cool with us in your house, aren't you? All right. Hey, Karen, how you doing? So I'm, I'm preach, while I'm, I'm preaching God's word, I'm saying, Karen, this is what you got to do, and you got to love your neighbor. Oh, these guys aren't too sure. They're... Oh, I'm a bit scared. That one at the back looks like he's about to take me out. <laughs> yeah, don't, if he had a Nerf gun, this would be a different story. <laughs> Ask Josh about the, the creature that Mark becomes when you give him a Nerf gun. <laughs> um, anyway, so while he was preaching, 
four guys arrived called one, two, three, and four, carrying a paralyzed man called Legolas on a mat. So do you guys just want to pick up Legolas? <laughs> no, that's all right. You don't actually have to do that. But they couldn't bring him to Jesus because there's so many Karens in the way. And Karen said, they, no. Now, one, one says, please, can we come in? Do you want to say that one? Say, Oh, Karen. Oh. What, what about, what, guys, give her, give her your puppy pleading eyes. Say, please, can we come in? Karen? Oh, oh. she is a hard one, isn't she? <laughs> Farrah taste really uh <laughs> thing that he's after. <laughs> yeah, well this way there's a twist. Who saw that coming? Pharisee number two and Karen anyway. Um They couldn't get him in because Karen was so rude. So do you know what they did? They dug a hole through the roof right above Doreen. Whoa, Doreen, they're getting clay in your soup. Quick, protect that. I'm, oh, no. There's a man coming through your roof, and they lowered Legolas on his mat right in front of Jesus. So let's all just close our eyes and pretend you've done that, and Legolas can come down in front of Jesus. Oh, sorry, if you can wake up. You can... Yeah, your legs can work for this bit. This is like one of those magic... Oh, oh they, they, yeah. No, no, Karen, it's okay, said Jesus. And he, I said, ah, oh, Jesus saw his faith and said, you've got so much faith, your sins are forgiven. Yay! But these guys don't like that. And they said, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Didn't they? Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. I can tell what you're thinking. Yeah, that's right, Mark. It sounds delicious. And, and I said, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Legolas, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Legolas, pick up your mat and go home. Yay. He's here. Hey, oh, sorry, you're a bit dusty on your back. It's all right, one need to rest. Oh, and he jumped up and grabbed his head. Everyone cheered. And they all praised God and said, we've never seen anything like this before. Hey. Well done. Well, thank you all so much. You can go back to your seats. Well done. Why don't you give a, a big round of applause to all our different actors. You can walk or jump or go however they want. Now, if you want, Super Kids can go out to Super Kids. We'll, we'll, um, that's the end of church for today. I hope that you got something out of <laughs> Sheridan is laughing. They'd never finished church an hour and a half. What are you talking about? No, we, I thought we could um, we could unpack that a little bit, but um, yeah, I think that was um, I think that was great. Some of you guys have got real talent there. You're like Cam really became a Pharisee. That was like something natural. So there's obviously I don't mean you are. I mean in that in your acting context, you know, that was like, you know, like I really became God too. You know, um, we've. Uh, so often in this story, we focus a lot on the hero, Legolas. But I thought before we do that, maybe we could talk about some of the other characters quickly and see if we learn anything from them. Maybe we could play. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll do Dorian in a minute, Mum. Thanks. But maybe, because it's my turn to preach today, maybe I'll just get to choose the order of things. Is that, is that all right, maybe? Oh, no. Um, and maybe we could play, go through the characters, play a little bit of like hero or villain, you know, when you go through a story there, or anti-hero, I don't know, one of our things. But let's start with the Pharisees. What did we think of the Pharisees in this story? Ooh, oh, that means you guys played your role well if they're naturally booing you, you know. If they're booing you in three weeks, then maybe you played your role a bit too well. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the, um, the, the Pharisees, um, they didn't like tear off the roof, did they? Didn't line up with their religious rules. They don't want you to be dramatic. They want to keep everyone in line, keep everyone playing by the rules. Tear off the roof isn't, isn't often playing inside the rules, is it? When you tear off the roof, you'll... You'll step on people's toes. You'll go outside the boundaries of what is considered okay culturally or religiously or 
traditionally or something like that, and they didn't like that. They got annoyed. But what did Jesus think of their attitude? It annoyed him. <laughs> it didn't like it. Jesus, Jesus didn't like their attitude at all. Um, what about, all right, here you go, Mum. What about Doreen? What did we think of Doreen? She was wonderful. <laughs> Pharisee thinks she was all right too. Yeah. Is Dora, see, it's funny. I reckon we often, in this story, Doreen almost becomes the, the villain because it's like she's the one who says, this is my house. Why are you ruining my house? She was letting Jesus stay at her house and letting everyone come in and fill up her house. How many have ever had opened their home to the extent that people have packed in and there is not any room for any more bodies in the house? How many have ever opened their home to that degree before? Yeah, mum's like, close, maybe. <laughs> no, that, that's literally what Doreen did. She said, Jesus can come here and we're going to open this wide so that everyone can come and encounter Jesus. And so that, like, it literally is filled. That, that's seriously inconvenient, you know. That's, um, that's pretty cool. Um, but she's not the hero of the story. But, um, and it's not the point of the message, but there's something we can learn there too, you know. For Jesus to minister, it needs those people who are willing to inconvenience their own lives and open up themselves and open their lives to everyone else to come in. Because when other people come in, they bring their mess. They might bring their audacious faith and cut through your roof. And you're like, did not see that coming. Like, I was thinking I might have to replace the carpet, not the roof. <laughs> but, but that's what happened uh, to Doreen. So I think that's an encouragement. Um, what about Karen? Let, let's go to Karen. Hero or villain? What do we think? Mm, oh, Karen's actually not in the room. She might have gone to Super Kids. Or maybe... Um, Maybe she's going to keep making sure they line up correctly, I suspect. Um, you know, we obviously made Karen out to be a villain, but one of the things with the tear off the roof concept, and again, this is just a, something I've been thinking about with, you know, looking at each of the people in this story. You know, the um, legalist showed his faith by tearing through the roof and getting to Jesus. Um, you know, Karen might have showed her faith by coming three hours early to come and hear Jesus preach and being there, being the first one in line. Um, what Karen did wasn't dramatic, but tear off the roof doesn't have to be dramatic. Tear off the roof is, is not about drama, it's about faith. Do you know what I mean? And like, like Caitlin actually preached last week, um, faith prompts action. Sometimes that will be tear off the roof dramatic action that looks amazing, like cutting through a roof or doing something crazy. But there's actually other stories where Jesus specifically said he didn't like the dramatic he liked the ones who were the opposite, who were like, were like the Karen. Think of when um, he was sitting watching everyone give their offering and you know, the, re the religious people would come in and make a big song and dance of giving lots. But that woman came and gave two coins and Jesus said, I see faith. <laughs> I see faith there. Does that make sense? So the, the key part of tear off the roof, and this is not the, the main point of today, but it's just things we can learn from the, I don't know, thinking about the different people in the story, is that uh, I actually think Karen is a hero in this story. You know, Karen probably got healed that day. It doesn't say that nobody else in the room got healed. It's the, it, it only recounts what happened there. Karen's faith was, I'm going to get there early. I'm going to be there at Jesus' feet. I'm going to listen to what he's saying. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be diligent. <laughs> you should have that enthusiasm every time I'm preaching, Caitlin. <laughs> um, and so, you know, that, sometimes that's what our faith looks like, you know. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be dramatic, but there's times where it does have to be dramatic. You know, the key is it's rooted in faith. You know, it's not about is it dramatic or not, is it quiet or loud, is it disruptive or, or, or is it under the surface, whatever. The key is, is it faith? And so um, I think Karen can be a faith hero. So put your hands together for Karen. All right, now, where he? he's at the back there again, he's right off. Why don't we talk about the real hero of the story today, which is Legolas. No, I don't think Legolas is the hero of the story. Jesus is, well, yeah, I think Jesus is a hero of the story. What are the, people, the ones that I think are the real heroes of the story? And that's the squad. Josh, you can put them up for me. The hashtag squad. Let's, let, let's play some of that. Legolas says, I'm going to go see Jesus. Squad says, righto, mate. Good luck. <laughs> On your bike. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> well, you better hurry. It's going to take you a long time to roll all that way. Um, Legolas gets to Jesus. They carry him to Jesus, and he says, there's no room. Oh, okay. Legolas says, I'm going to, I'm going to climb on the roof to get down. Squad says, 
Yep. Good. Good luck, mate. <laughs> all, all the best. Yeah. Um, in this example, you know, legalist says, I'm going to get in there no matter what. How much power does legalist have to get anywhere? Zero. <laughs> Without the squad, legalist doesn't get to the house. It definitely doesn't get on the roof. Doesn't, maybe he could hold a saw. That's about all, the only part he can play in this thing. Um, yet who's the one who gets his sins forgiven? Legolas. Who's the one who gets his legs healed? <laughs> Legolas. Who are the heroes who got Legolas into that place? Squad. Um, for me, I reckon they're the real heroes in this story. Obviously, when we did, um, did play the story out before, you know, we, I took a little bit of creative license, let's be honest, but I deliberately made one significant error from the Bible account. Did anyone pick that up or notice what it was? Dad did. You knew what I was going to preach about, though. So. <laughs> did anyone other than Pastor Peter, Pharisee Almighty, know? Notice that? All right, Dad, you can say, you can say it. Yeah, so when I was doing it, I specifically said, Jesus, I see, saw Legolas's faith. I'm going to heal you. But the Bible doesn't say that. It says he saw seeing their faith. He saw the faith of the group, and because he saw the faith of the guys who were sitting on the roof, the guy who was laying on the floor got forgiven and healed. <laughs> Isn't that pretty cool? Um, yeah, and, and this is a concept that's been rolling around in my heart, actually, for quite some time. Um, how much our faith journey is actually made to be communal. <laughs> Does that make sense? Um, you know, Kyra preached a message about this a while ago called Don't Keep Cattle Waiting, where most people remember it was about how much I eat, um, which was true. But the, the, it went on to talk about how much of our faith journey is communal. And I've been thinking about this in this particular story, that I think that the squad are the heroes of this story, because without squad... Legolas doesn't get healed. Legolas doesn't get. Legolas does not get in that situation. Legolas does not get to Jesus. Um, so I want us to to think about for you know the, the last part of this sermon in, in this tear off the roof series. What does it look like for us in 2023 Melbourne to be hashtag squad? <laughs> what does it look like for us to be the squad that tear through the roof? And get to Jesus. What does it look like for us to be the heroes of this story? You know, we've looked at an example of what that looked like for them. You know, maybe there is a situation where it might look like you carrying your friend to someone's house and tearing and actually cutting through their roof. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's probably not what it looks like for you. <laughs> okay. Um, but in the same way, the concept of what they did is exactly what. Um, I think God's calling us to do and, and how we are to live as a community and a group saying, whatever happens, I'm going to get you to Jesus. <laughs> you know, because it's not, tear off the roof is not actually about tearing through the roof. It might be, you know, whether it's going through the roof or tunneling from underground or, or whatever it is, it's, it's about getting to Jesus. <laughs> it's about saying, whatever it looks like, I'm going to be your hashtag squad and we're going to get to Jesus. So, um, what I want to do is, for, for the last part of this, actually look at something slightly different and, and look at three concepts that I think are Bible concepts that we can take, that can teach us in our culture, in our community and context here today, how to be that squad, how to be, be like those four friends were to Legolas. Would we like to do that? So, so I actually found it online. Josh has got, might have a, a picture for me. Um, Three sure Wi-Fi ways to be an elite hashtag squad. The third one will shock you, it said. So I found this article, and I thought maybe we could have a look at that together today. Um, Kara, Caitlin's like, I'd click that for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, if, only if it's got a quiz to tell you what sort of dog you are at the end. Um, okay, so let's go. Three, three skills to be a squad. Turn to the person next to you and say, we're going to learn three skills, and I'll be your hashtag squad. But actually, what to do it, you've got to go, like this, go hashtag squad like this. And what we actually do, because it's squad like the quad, we do like hashtag squad. That's like that as that's the first part of being relevant is if we do this, then the people think we're really cool, right? Turn to the person next to you, like that, yeah. Yeah, mum's putting three fingers up, I think. That's right. Okay. Let's go. The first skill that we need, number one, have a body mentality. Um, I saw a meme that I, I think just defines this beautifully. 
having a body mentality. So when you order two Big Mac meals, extra fries and McNuggets, but you can get a Diet Coke, because fitness is my passion. <laughs> Turn to the person next to you and say, fitness is my passion. Uh, no, we, uh, we can go back to the other screen, Josh. That's probably more appropriate. Um, no, when we're talking about a body mentality, we're not talking about looking after your body. We're talking about a concept of us as a body. So I've got a little illustration we're going to use for this. Um, Had anyone noticed what's up here? No. Does anyone other than Kirsty know what's going on up here? Well, actually, yeah, okay. There's a quick backstory to this. Well, all right, I'll show you what it is first. Would you like to see? It's pretty cool. Ready? I don't know if I can tilt that down enough. That is a chocolate mud cake in the shape of my face, if you're not sure. Um, with licorice hair, yeah, she's even made the hair. I don't know if you can even zoom in on that for those who are like, that's pretty cool. Um, now, the reason I'm holding a chocolate mud cake in the shape of my face with licorice hair, you might ask. <laughs> well, that's because I wanted to have, an, for an illust illustrative purpose, there's a cake that I could have up here today. Um, and so I put a, note, a message out to our events team and say, would anyone be interested in making a cake that I could use as, a, as an illustration on Sunday? And within, I, I hadn't even finished typing the message yet, and Kirsty already replied and said, yes, I'd love to. And so I said, that sounds awesome. And then as a joke, I said, bonus points for making it in the shape of my cake, my, the shape of my face. And so lo and behold, sure enough, I get a cake in the shape of my face. Um, now, Mark, should I tell them what happened at 6 o'clock this morning? Well, Mark, what happened at 6 o'clock this morning? <laughs> Mark said he remembered at one o'clock this morning that Kirsty was meant to make a cake. He's like, oh, I probably shouldn't remind her now. So he reminded her at six o'clock this morning. Um, and they still made a cake in the shape of my face with my licorice hair. So put your hands together. That's pretty cool. <coughs> All right, so I'm going to put this cake down here. Well, <laughs> I'm going to put it yeah, past the Peter. I'm going to put it in front of you, okay? Okay, now, Pastor Peter, I'm looking at you. Um, I would like, I would like you to eat this cake inside the next 90 seconds. There can be no cake left after 90 seconds. You must have eaten all of it. Can you do that? Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, that's not, some, that's not much faith. Cam's <laughs> like, oh, I volunteer as tribute. I'll give it a crack. <laughs> <laughs> See, these Pharisees love their cake. <laughs> yeah, get, no, yeah, I didn't use it. Okay, so, so you said no. You don't think you can. All right. What if I said, I reckon the challenge I just gave was actually very, very doable. In fact, I'd go so far as to say it was really easy. Really, really easy. Why, why do you think that would be? Mums look at me like, yeah, I know, but do you have any idea? Yeah. Yeah, the word you was plural. I, I was just looking at Dad, and I said, can you eat this cake within two minutes? I want you to have eaten all of it. Even in our English language, we don't have a separate word for a collective you and a singular you. You all just assumed I was talking to Dad because I was looking at him, didn't you? I was talking to all of you, and your pastor on behalf of the whole church said, no, we cannot eat this cake. <laughs> No, we are unable. I have no faith in my congregation. So alas, I must take the cake away. No cake for the congregation today, for pastor does not have faith in his congregation's cake-eating abilities. Oh, well, what can you... Oh, ye of little faith, how, must, how long must we be amongst you perverse generation? Um, uh, no. What I actually thought is maybe you could eat the cake for morning tea. How does that sound? And you're allowed to have more than two minutes if you want. Or you can do it in two. You probably will do it in two minutes, knowing you like. But, um, um, but yeah, we can do it. So I, it was actually very, very doable. When I said you, I meant you all. Because, you know, the English word you can mean either. I, I can say, have you seen this? I'm talking about all of you. Or I can be talking very specifically to one person. Um, you know, in the Bible, uh, obviously Bible written predominantly in ancient Hebrew language and ancient Greek language, they actually have different words for collective you and individual you. So this is one thing. Often when we read the Bible in our modern 2023 Australian cultural, cultural context, we will always read the word you 
And our culture means that we naturally think of it individually. That's how we, that is generally, unless it is specified that this is a group, we generally think of it individually. Um, you know, I was actually doing some reading this week about this concept and how our culture here, um, you know, in the West is very much individualistic. Like that, that's how we live. That's how we think. There are other cultures, um, for example, a lot of Asian cultures that are, are much more collective. Chris and Pree just came back from Japan and like they will testify to that fact that we, we have a little joke now. Every time we see pe people do something that's selfish, we say, oh, that's not very Japanese because it's like they, it, it is, they, they live in a culture where it is much more collectivism rather than individualistic. Um, I'm, not, I'm not here talking about one being better or, or whatever, but the point is that in our culture where we live, in our society here today, our go-to, our natural, the way our brains are automatically wired is to think me, myself, my little bubble individually. Um, the cultures that the Bible was written to, especially very, very much the Hebrew culture, was way the other end of the spectrum, very much collective. We, in our, our Western mindsets, like to slice up everything and have it compartmentalised very much. You know, we compartmentalise not only our lives from others, but then every single part of my life. I have my work life and I have my family life and I have my fitness life because fitness is my passion. And I have my, you know, oh, my God life as well and my church life and my this life. Um, the, the Hebrew culture back, you know, it's the Old Testament was we all just have our life and it's like one big soup. <laughs> it's like one big combined communal soup. Um, I, I actually think that that's something which is, I think it's sort of actually, personally, I think it's a sad part of our Western culture, how much we are individualized and, and closed in. But it means that then as we're often reading the Bible and connecting with it, we naturally read it through that lens. Does that make sense? Because that's the culture and the context we live in. That's not the culture and the context that it was written through. Plus, we have this added, added extra element that we, in our context only have a one word for you so many 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 times when the bible specifically says you all you collective we read the word you and so we take it as, oh that's god's promise for me but it's like that was never written for me that was written for us does that make sense um and one, one of my favorite people bible teachers to listen to is a guy called tim Mackey. he's part of the bible project which i just highly recommend and um he he speaks ancient hebrew and you know scholar and very clever guy and, and he's got a phrase, often when he's reading Old Testament scriptures, when it says you, he just um, substitutes it for all you all, <laughs> is his phrase, to give the concept of what it means. And he'll be saying, you know, God says, I want all you all to do this, or I'll bless all you all. And that, that's his way of sort of going the other way and clarifying really specifically, this is a collective promise, or this is a collective word. Um, and... So I'm not going to you know, go through them all, but it's just a, you know, a thought and something for us to, to think about. And there are multiple times in the Bible, and I was, I was looking through some examples this week of scriptures and passages that I would have always stood on as this is for me, but the Bible very specifically, it's actually written as an all-you-all thing. Um, so one is, and we've talked about this before, where it talks about you being the temple of the Holy Spirit. It says, collective, it says, you all are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're all connected in that. Um, another example is in Malachi where he talks about to bring, um, bring the tithe into the storehouse and then I'll bless you. That, that is every time he says you, it's an all you all. He says you all have to be a tithing community and if you all are a tithing community, then you all will enjoy the benefits of that and as you all work together in your lives. Um, I'm not saying you can't stand on that as a personal promise. That's not my point. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying at all. But it's simply, an, it, 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 it's, it's shifting my thinking and, and it's stretching me. Um, all that to say, I think for us to be hashtag squad, God wants us to have a body mentality that we don't see ourselves as individual pieces and individuals here, but we see all of us as all y'all as a single body. <laughs> Does that make sense? That we are a part of a body. We're not all our little own individual bodies. God's actually made us to be all parts of the whole. Um, Oh, let's, let's really quickly read the, um, the passage where that body concept comes from. So this is in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, we'll start with verse 18 to 21. And I'll... Um, oh, Josh has got that on the, the screen already. That's, that's amazing. 
Um, Josh, can we go back to verse 18? Do we have that there? It says, as a matter of fact, God has placed each of the members in the body just as he decided. Um, if they were all the same, if they're all the same member, where would the body be? So now there are many members, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, nor in turn can the head say to the foot, I don't need you. Um, it goes on, but basically this concept that he's saying, I've put all of you together as parts of the body, and together we form a body. We form an all your. So turn to the person next to you and say, you're just a part. All right, now I want you to turn to them and have your best guess at what part of the body they might be. What do you reckon? Some, some little toes, some, some biceps, some eyes, some ears. Um, let's jump ahead to verse 25 and verse, 20, uh, verse 25 to 27 of that same passage in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, he says, so that no, may be no division in the body, but the members may have mutual concern for one another. Look at this bit. If one member suffers, everyone suffers with it. If a member is honoured, all rejoice with it. That's what we're doing today with you know, Nadir. So that we're rejoicing because he's rejoicing. Now, you are Christ's body and each of you is a member of it. So we have this mentality that we are all Christ's body and we are all members. We're all parts of it. How many will testify to if one part of your body hurts, your whole body hurts? <laughs> you know, a couple of nights ago, my little toe on this foot, in the middle of the night, it found the end of the bed all by itself. My whole body <laughs> knew about it. My whole body was writhing in agony. And you know, my mouth wanted to scream, but my hand was stopping it so I don't wake Zari. And so it's like my whole body was in, was in pain because of that. But at the same time, if one part of your body is prospering and thriving, the whole body's prospering yeah. and thriving. And that's what I think the heartbeat of what I see with the squad yeah. is that Legolas was suffering and so the squad was suffering. Yeah. You know, the squad, and, and this is probably the key. The squad didn't just come with a, how, how do I say, with a sense of um, this weak, fake compassion that's like, oh, we pity you, Legolas. They didn't come with pity and say, oh, we pity you, Legolas. Poor Legolas. What if we give up half an hour of our day to take him to Jesus so maybe he can get better? No, they had a real, you know, and I'm, I'm extrapolating here, you know. I don't actually know the squad's inner thoughts or what was happening. But I see here a picture of people who said, we are in this together. Yeah. I am just as invested in Legolas being whole as Legolas is. <laughs> you know, what if we lived in that way? I said, I am genuinely just as invested in this as he is himself. And do you know what that sort of mentality does? Because it's the body. It's saying if he's suffering, I'm suffering. If he's rejoicing, I'm rejoicing. And if I'm just invested in this as he is, then that means that I will do all sorts of crazy stuff. I will go and carry him right across town to get to Jesus. And then if there's not enough room, I'll carry him up on the roof and I'll lug him over my shoulder and climb up there and find a shovel and dig through the roof. And I'll do whatever I've got to do to get him to Jesus because I am just as invested in this as he is. Does that make sense? I think that's a picture of what it looks like to, to be a squad, <laughs> to have a, a body mentality, um, to say, I am just as invested in this. My faith is just as connected to Legolas' life as it is to my own. <laughs> my faith is just as invested in you as it is in me. Now, I, in our culture, that's radical. There are other cultures where that's not so radical. There are other cultures where that's just totally accept, expected <laughs> and to do anything else is out of line. Um, but in our, in our culture here, 2023 Melbourne, I'm not saying this to have a go at it. I'm just recognizing that I think this is a Bible concept which is just absolutely against the grain of how people in this area live. Um, and what would it look like for us to buck that trend and say, I'm just as much with you as I am with me. <laughs> I'm just as much invested in your life as I'm in mine. So that's, that's number one, have a body mentality. We'll go through the others the other sort of quickly, but because I think number one, that's sort of the, the key one, the root. Let's jump to number two. Number two is get creative. Um, this comes from a passage in Hebrews chapter 10. I want to read this in the Passion Translation because I love how it puts it. I think it absolutely keeps the 
the heart and the context of what it's saying, but it puts it in great language for us to lay hold of today. Um, Josh, you can throw that up for us. Thank you. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says, Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. It says, This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. Isn't it interesting? It doesn't say some have decided to do it. Some have formed the habit of doing. They've just rolled into the habit of looking after their own little lives rather than being in the collective. Um, in fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day coming. Um, I love that at the start. It says, discover creative ways to encourage others and motivate them towards acts of compassion. What if we had our perspective of, of being proactive rather than reactive? I would say a reactive squad is where... Legolas comes and says, I really want to get to Jesus. Oh, okay. Yep, that's going to be a bit... Okay, when's Jesus coming? Jesus is coming on Saturday the 14th. Okay. And oh, he's in Doreen's house. Oh, Doreen's a long way away. I'd really like to go. I'd really like to... Okay, all right, we can make it happen. Um, okay, I probably can't pick you up till 11, but okay. Yep, all right, we'll make it happen. You know, Kyra, we're going to have to change some things around. We're going to go to Doreen's house. All right, yep, we're going to be your squad. We're going to do that. All right, sure, we can help you. That's not what this passage talks about. This talks about discovering creative ways to encourage others and motivate them. It talks about being proactive. What if our perspective was, how can I get Legolas closer to Jesus today? <laughs> what if we lived with a perspective that said, how can I get those around me closer to Jesus today? How can I encourage them more? How can I motivate them more? How can I, can I push them further and closer to Jesus and, and more into his heart and what he's doing? How, what creative ways can I find? Can I share a scripture with them? Can I take them out for coffee? Can I, can I organize a weekly catch-up? Could I, could I, oh, what if I get them around for, for dinner at my place? What if I organize a, a play date for our kids at the park? What if I open up myself and my struggles? What if I ask them about the specific things they're dealing with and really come on the journey with them or send them a, a, an encouragement? encouraging text everyone. What could I do to encourage them to get to Jesus? <laughs> um, that, that's proactive. <laughs> and that, that's for me saying, how can I get creative to be a squad? And how can I get, get proactive and creative to tear through the roof and get them to Jesus? Um, there's a passage which I, I absolutely love. Um, and it's in Acts chapter 2, if we can have a look at that really quickly. Um, and so this is Right, right at the beginning of the church. So Jesus has done his amazing earthly ministry. He's gone up to heaven and then he's left. The Holy Spirit has come upon the people and this is the first thing that's recorded. So the Holy Spirit comes, there's this massive outbreak, thousands of people get saved. Have a look at, like, this is the first passage that describes what church life looked like in that time. And, and this is significant for us because that that isn't still the period of time we're living in. You know, there was pre-Jesus, during Jesus, and then the, the New Testament church post-Jesus. We're still in that time. And this is the first picture we get of what that looked like. So have a look at this at Acts 2, um, from we'll read verse 42 to 47. It says, they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Just, just count how many times it talks about them doing things with a squad mentality. Constantly to the breaking of bread, so gathering for meals, and to prayer. Quick question. If they were doing prayer meetings back then, how did they have to do it? Together. Together. <laughs> we're not talking about texting prayer updates or, <laughs> or calling a prayer chain. This is gathering. They were devoting themselves. Oh, sorry. I just read that. It said, reverential awe came up over everyone. Many wonders and signs came about by the apostles. All who believed were together and held everything in common. To the point that, read this, they began selling their property and possessions, um, we're going to the next one there, they began selling their property and possessions and distributing the proceeds to everyone as anyone had need. Um, I'm not telling you you have to do that. I'm just saying that's the level of body mentality that they had, that they were like, we're going to sell everything we've got and make sure that everyone's got enough because we are that committed to squad. Um, every day they continued to gather together. Every day they gathered. So we're not talking about Sunday squad, Okay. We're not even talking about Sunday morning and Wednesday evening squad. We're talking about every day <laughs> life squad. 
they continued to gather together by common consent in the temple courts, breaking bread from house to house. They're gathering in church. They're gathering in houses. They're sharing their food with glad and humble hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And the Lord is adding to the number every day those who are being saved. What an amazing picture of church life, eh? Um, now, I, I absolutely recognize I'm not reading that and saying, okay, so this is exactly what we have to do, have daily church meetings, um, everyone go and sell everything, tell us the total of what you got and we'll distribute it evenly amongst you all. Um, I'm not saying that at all. This was, this was a different culture, <laughs> a different time. But what I want to say is how in this culture, in this time, can we take that heart and live it out? <laughs> how can we get creative and live out that heart of squad? And saying, this is not about each of us having our own individual lives. I am totally invested in you and you in me. And we are a squad doing this together. Um, number three, let's go to the last one. And then we're going to finish this off. Maybe um, Chris and Cam, you guys want to come up. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, number three is walk in love. Um, you might say, oh, okay, yeah. That, that seems fairly self-explanatory. Um, the... the the heartbeat of all this has to come from love. <laughs> That's actually why I, I think that this, this is not just a cultural thing. I think it is how God intended us to do life because the Bible says that God is love. There is no other attribute that actually says defines who God is. Do you know what I mean? He, show, he, he is faithful. He, he is just. He is true. But love defines him. <laughs> love is the essence and the center of him and who he is. Um, let's just really quick, let's read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7. This amazing passage, it's just a portion of it. The talk, it just gives us a picture of what it looks like to walk in love. It says, love is patient, love's kind, love is not envious, love doesn't brag, love's not puffed up, love's not rude, love's not self-serving, love is not easily angered or resentful, love is not glad about injustice, it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It goes on to say, love never ends. Um, I believe that has to be the heartbeat of all this. You know, if, um, if squad are carrying legalists out of a sense of duty, or out of a sense of pity, or out of a sense of this is the right thing to do, I ought to do this, oh, I should do this, oh, I need to put on a display, anything else, it's not going to work. <laughs> That's not actual squad mentality. Squad mentality says, I love you. <laughs> I love him and I am so invested in that I will then walk out my faith and I'll tear off the roof for him. <laughs> I, I love this tear off the roof story because it is literally, when you, when you boil it down, you know, you do your dramatic reenactment, it is actually a picture of four guys being so invested in their friend and so passionately a part of his journey that they teared off, they tore off the roof. They displayed their faith. Jesus saw their faith and their friend got all the benefits. And it's a big win. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's, there's part of our culture that would look at it and say, that's just grossly unfair. They did the work. They tore off the roof. They should be the ones, him saying, your sins are forgiven. Or you you know, we all read it now, 2,000 years later, and everyone says, who's the hero of the story? Oh, Legolas, because his faith, he got, he got healed. No, it was their faith. <laughs> they were the ones who did it. They carried him. How many years had they been carrying him before that, do you reckon? You know, how many years had they been lugging him over their shoulder or carrying his mat or feeding him or bringing him things or letting him sleep in their homes or whatever? Um, because they were the squad. <laughs> they were the friends. They're willing to do that. And I, I want to encourage you and exhort you as we, as we close this, this little mini-series out today, unless we continue it next week, um, that a tear off the roof is an all-you-all thing. <laughs> so we're going to tear the roof off as all-you-all. <laughs> and what does it look like for us? And I, I really wanted that to be your challenge because I, I think this is a great Bible concept, a great Bible challenge, but we, for, this is specifically for us, we actually live in a specific context that is like especially at odds with this. Does that make sense? If we lived in another time in history or another place geographically, this message wouldn't be at odds with our culture. Does that make sense? That's, I don't mean that I'm not having, here having a crack at culture saying the world's broken, sack the government, burn the bridge. I'm not saying that. I'm just recognizing that for us, 
this is something which is not going to come as naturally <laughs> as it would in other places. And so I would love, my challenge for us is to be deliberate. Like that, that second point, get creative. And say, how am I going to have a squad mentality? Um, we had an awesome night on Wednesday night in our life group. And, um, and Mark was sharing, and as he does, um, Mark preaches in our life group. I, I'm, I, you know, sorry, Mark, I'm going to say this publicly, but like, he's, like, he, he's, he starts sharing and then preaches for a few minutes, and we all just sort of, you know, at the end it's like, drop the Zoom mic. Like, oh, there, is some, there is some power in that stuff. And, and he was talking about the power of how connecting in that group is building his faith and the impact it's having on his life. And I was listening to it, and it was like, it was like fireworks in my spirit. Like, this is exactly what we're talking about, that it's in that connection and in that squad mentality. Saying it's like, it's not just like, oh, here, I'm here to bless you and minister to you and pray my prayer for you and give you a Bible study. It's like in this squad and doing life, it's, it's just like birthing faith in me and changing my life. And it was so encouraging for me. And, and it was sparking more thoughts of, God, how can I live this out in my life? <laughs> you know, it's great for me to have, a, have this concept and say, oh, yeah, that's a nice concept. That I'm I'm in agreement, but what does it like? What does it look like for me to live that out? <laughs> How am I going to live a hashtag squad life? <laughs> That's my challenge to you. And what I'd actually like to do, um, it's a little bit different to how we planned on sort of finishing this. Um, I'd sort of thought maybe we'd finish with a big roar of praise or whatever, but I just I just feel in my heart we might just take a minute. We'll be finishing in just a few minutes, so we're not going to go much longer at all. But just take a minute. And actually, each of us ask the Holy Spirit that question. How can I live a hashtag squad life? Um, now, you know, I suspect everyone who's listening to this online, in the room, wherever we are, is probably going to be doing it at various levels anyway. We're not a people who are all totally just in our own little slices and shut out from everyone else. But I suspect every one of us, wherever we are on the journey of that, there's ways we could, we could grow in that and we can do that more. So I want you to take a minute. I'm just going to let Chris keep playing. A couple of minutes, maybe. And just, just ask the Holy, that's Holy Spirit that question. And let him speak to you. So Holy Spirit, we ask you, how can we, in our lives, in our communities, in our circles, in our families, in our workplaces, wherever we are, how can we deliberately get creative and be those ones living that squad mentality life? Can you speak to us now, Holy Spirit? Spirit, I thank you for that, that we have your spirit in us. I thank you for how, Lord, I think when, when you came, Holy Spirit, in Acts 2, where you came into your church, the immediate outworking of that was this um, previously unseen outworking and explosion of love between believers. <laughs> that squad mentality, that that love just went to another level. I think that's no coincidence that when you came, Holy Spirit, into, into the church, that the love just went through the roof. <laughs> that sense of community and connection, not for the sake of connection, but for the sake of love. Because God, you are love. You are love. And I ask you, for myself, for my family, and for every person here, show us and help us to walk in love. <laughs> 
show us and help us to be the ones who walk with that squad mentality because we have your heart, which is for love. It's love for those beside us. It's love for our brothers and sisters. It's love and compassion for this community and the world. Lord, let love be our our deepest, most driving motivation. And as an outworking of that, may we live and may we be known as those who live in the squad mentality. May breakthrough be known for its love. May breakthrough be known as a place of squad. (laughs) Maybe not in those words, but may it be known, may we be known as people where love is acted out, love is seen. And it's a genuine, deep, authentic, daily connection and, and tearing off the roof to get to Jesus together. Holy Spirit, you help us to do that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe just to close this, would you would you stand with me? Again, this is not crisp. Could we just maybe sing How Great Is Our God for a minute? And I'd love for us just as a as a squad, as a body. What I'd love, if you're comfortable, if you're willing, or if we even just gather in, if anyone's sitting on your own, just let's just gather around, put your arm around someone, or if you don't have to do that, if you don't want to, if you'd like to, just just gather around. Let's, let's gather around and sing this as a squad. <laughs> let's just lift up the name of Jesus for one minute.